Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. So for the, the past few weeks, I've, I've had a pretty clear idea of where we're going. Um, you know, sometimes, I'm not going to lie, sometimes there are times where we're getting to the end of a series and it's like, well... We'll see. <laughs> we'll, we'll see where this is going to go. But I've had a, a pretty clear idea about where I've wanted to see this go after our study on Daniel Rapton. And while we were away at family camp, we went through a teaching series on how to read the Bible well. And, you know, it seems kind of self-explanatory. Well, you, you, you open it, and then you, you read the words that are there and then you close it, and then you're done, right? Now, no, there's more to it than that. This is the, the living, breathing Word of God, and, and so we, there's some, some steps that we can take to, to make the most of the, the time that we're investing into that. And, and I would say that, that reading the Bible well is foundational to who we are as, as followers of Christ. It's... It, it, is a way that, that God speaks to his people. There's another way that God speaks to his people. It has to do with prayer. And I would imagine that if I was to, to take a survey this morning and just say, how many of you feel like you are just killing it in the area of prayer? Matt, we don't need a teaching series on this. I, I get up, I, I don't even need an alarm to wake up in the morning. I just get up. I cannot wait to start my, my time of prayer with the Lord. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, if, if that's where we're at, then maybe, maybe there's some room for growth for us today. If there is an opportunity for us to add some tools to our toolbox so that we can leave here maybe just two steps forward from where we were when we walked in, then incremental growth is enough. So if we're calling this series, If My People Pray, this is going to be a study on, on what waits for me, what waits for you as a follower of Christ when we put focused thought, focused effort, focused time and energy into communication to and from communication with the Heavenly Father. So between reading our Bibles and praying, those are are two pretty distinct and proven ways that God uses to speak to his people, right? Right? We're going to take some, some context. If you want to open your Bibles to the book of Luke, starting at chapter 5 today. Luke chapter 5, verse 15. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Turn the page, Luke 6, verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. 
And he spent the night praying to God. Turn the page again, Luke 9, 18. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? Luke 28. About eight days after Jesus said, excuse me, Luke 9, verse 28. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him, and he went up onto a mountainside to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Move forward to 34. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. In Luke 11, verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So what do we, what do we get from this? Jesus prays. <laughs> I, I think we can, we can safely say from, from this selection in Scripture that Jesus prayed. And for Jesus, prayer was, was the center point of relationship with God. It was woven into everything that he did. It was part of his morning routine. He, he made time for it, and even when he was busy, He would stay up all night and pray because it was prioritized even above sleep. But what do we notice when we're reading this? It it really doesn't seem like this emphasis on prayer represents like a big hassle for Jesus. It's like, well, I got to check off my spiritual checkbox of doing my, my hour of prayer today. I got that done. Now I can actually go to the things that I wanted to do. No, it, it, it doesn't seem like that. Jesus wasn't uh, praying to alleviate some area of guilt in his life. He's praying because it seems like, I mean, it seems like he enjoys the company of the Father God. And what we see in this time of prayer, especially if we look at that second to last passage of scripture that we read, is that when Jesus had times of prayer, Jesus would actually encounter God. And not only would he encounter God in those times of prayer, he would encounter God and he was literally transformed. He prayed, God showed up and changed physically an aspect of him. For most of us, this isn't our experience. <laughs> if we are brutally honest, prayer doesn't feel this way at all. Prayer can feel boring. Prayer can feel like a drag. It can feel like a religious duty. It can feel like that guilt trip. When you do make time for prayer, you, you sit down. And you pray for everything that you can think of. You pray for world peace. You pray for Donald Trump. You pray for Joe Biden. You pray for that annoying neighbor down the street. You pray for that, that physical thing that's going on in your life. You pray for that financial need that you may have. And two minutes have passed and you're like, what do I do? Two 
two minutes have passed and, and you have nothing else to pray for and your mind starts to wander. You're really tired. And you start to lose focus and then you, you start to think about that new show that just came out on Netflix. And you're like, well, I do have my phone right here. And you say, well, I, I did pray. So we've, we've probably done enough. You unlock your phone and you move on to the next thing that you need to do in your day, right? And at this point, we have checked the box that says, I, I am a follower of Christ. I, I did my, my, time, my time of prayer, because time is a nice vague word, right? I've done my time of prayer for the day, and so I can, I can move on. This day and age is one of the most difficult times in all of human history to stop and pray. Why? Why, why is that the case? There are multinational, multi-billion dollar companies that are spending those billions of dollars on marketing and R&D to distract and addict us. I may have bought myself an iPhone, but my iPhone works for someone else. Did you know that? Your iPhone does not work for you. <laughs> the attention economy is where money is at today. There are companies, this entire world is vying for our attention. Do you remember like maybe 10, 15 years ago where there was this thing that was called boredom? You were like stuck in a line at Safeway and there was literally nothing that you could do for like three minutes. Nothing. You, you just had to wait in that line. Or you, if you were like on a, a plane and like you were reading a book and you finished your book, you had to wait. And, and that was all you could do. You couldn't pull out the, the in-flight movie. You couldn't, you couldn't pull out your phone. You couldn't pull out your iPad. You couldn't look at your laptop. You couldn't do any of those things. You had to wait. There used to be moments in the day that were potential portals into the life of God, into, into our life with God. And, and for the most part, I would say that, that technology and, and our own choices have alleviated, have removed those moments. We now, if I'm stuck in a line at Safeway for three minutes, I pull out my trusty handy-dandy iPhone, and I'm looking at the, the headlines. I'm looking at what's, what the weather's going to look like tomorrow. I'm, I'm looking at some app on my phone. Some people are looking at Instagram, at Facebook, at social media, whatever the case may be. I need to send an email What's another reason that it's hard for us to make time for prayer? Wealth. We have more money than any generation ever. Why pray when we have a good job in health insurance? Okay, this is me speaking hyperbole here. Okay, this isn't true. Money, money can get you the same things that prayer can, but it's a lot easier and it's a lot faster most of the time. With money comes activity. So when I, when I have money, when, when I have available resources to me, I can go out and do things. I can go out to, with friends. I can, can go have this or that distraction that's taking place in my life. We talked last week about stuff, and we said we all have stuff, right? 
stuff stops us from being able to take time with Jesus. We're busy, we're busy, we're busy, we're on the go. And let's be clear, is it okay to be busy? Yeah. But do we need to be mindful of our time with God in the midst of the busy? Yes. What's another challenge to taking time with God? Secularism. Well, that's a a fancy church word. This is time for brutal honesty. Sometimes when you pray, do you stop and wonder, am I just chucking my shopping list up to the air and hoping something happens? It doesn't feel like anything's happening. And when there is an answer to prayer, is there ever a time where you're like, was that just going to happen anyway? Was that God? Was it me? Or is my boss just a little bit more generous than I thought he was? For most of us, prayer is an area that needs work in our lives. And we need to figure this out because prayer is, I would say, probably more important than most of us understand. Prayer is talking with, with God. It's not talking to God, it's talking with God. Prayer is life with God. Prayer is how we experience and connect with God. Prayer is the medium we use to connect with God. It is not the goal. We don't have a goal of, hey, I, I want to show up and do prayer It's, no, I want to show up and have conversation with God, and prayer is the way that I do that. Kaylee and I recently went out, and we had had dinner. We went to a restaurant. And while we were out on this date, we had conversation. We we stopped, and we talked. We we discussed what was going on in her life. We discussed what was going on in my life. We, We talked about the things that she wanted to do, going forward. We talked about the things that I wanted you going forward and some of the struggles and the hardships that we're running into. Conversation is something that takes practice. You don't just get to show up and be like, hey, I've, I've got this thing down. No, it, it takes time. And not only does it take time, conversation takes familiarity with the person that you're speaking with. If I'm going to be in conversation with the creator of the universe, I need to be familiar with who he is. So it takes participation from both parties. And the great thing about that time is that it wasn't the fact that we had a conversation. The great thing about that time is that we incrementally deepened our relationship with one another through that conversation. Does that make sense? The end goal of prayer is life with God. Here in 2022, with our cell phones in our purses and pockets, we need to buckle down and figure out how to incorporate prayer into our daily life. And so what better teacher can we have than Jesus? Jesus and his disciples are hanging out somewhere, and the disciple approaches Jesus and says, Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. 
There are four gospels or biographies of the life of Jesus that we see in the Bible. And this is the only time that we see a request, God, teach us to dot, 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 teach us to do something. Jesus did a lot of stuff. Jesus healed the sick. He raised the dead. He, he te- pre- preached some amazing sermons. He fed the thousands. He cast out demons, but we never read one time, God, teach us how to heal the sick. God, teach us how to preach really well. Teach us how to multiply loaves and fish. That could be a handy one. No, that, that is never what is said. What is said is, Lord, teach us to pray. Why is that what they're asking for? I don't know, but, but I can speculate. Maybe it's because they started to notice that Jesus' entire kingdom work, everything that he did was rooted in his life and his relationship with God the Father. And so they asked, God, Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus answers, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. We're going to look at each of these lines, but, but I want us to pay some special attention first to this, this first section where Jesus is giving us a very, very specific framework of how to pray and of what prayer is. One of the important points for us to get first and foremost is that Jesus doesn't get to asking God for the stuff until halfway through. Most of us start there. Most of the time when it comes to our prayer requests before God, it, it's the, the shopping list or the wish list to Santa Claus that we, we throw up and, and we just hope that something comes from it. For Jesus, there are four things that we need to know before we get to that list of needs. And let's be clear, those, having that list of needs is not a bad thing. I, I want to be really clear. It's okay to have that list of needs, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. But the first point that we have to recognize and the first point that that Jesus points out here is God is your father. This was one of Jesus' most favorite names for God. Jesus thought of God as his father because he was and he wants us to do the same. And let's pause for a minute. This can be hard for some people. We don't all have the same life experiences. You know, we can, can, I can look at my own life and, and we can say, Matt, that's easy for you to say. You had a good relationship with your father. Your, your father didn't hurt you. Your father didn't, didn't do things to you. Your father didn't leave you. Your father didn't, didn't abandon you or do any of those other things that, that happen in this world. And you're right. I'm not going to stand up here and and act like that's not the case. But what I do know, what I know is that even if it takes time, even if it takes pain, 
even if it takes an emotional journey that seems completely insurmountable, there is healing that is for you. If you can come to the point of recognition and and understanding that there is a God in heaven who is your father who loves you. And that journey will be worth it. And the reason it matters, and it matters so much, because it matters who I pray to. It does. I have to break down the incorrect ideas of who God is in my life. If, if I allow incorrect, wrong ideas of who God is to, to permeate my life and to, to be a part of my life, I will never want to pray. One writer notes that the angels have been locked in a room with God for thousands of years and they still haven't gotten past the word holy. If I am approaching the creator of the universe and I think that that interaction is boring, then maybe it's not a problem with the creator of the universe. Maybe it's a problem here. If I think of God as a a character in the sky ready to lay into me for staying away for a a day when when I didn't pray when I was supposed to, why would I want to come and approach if I'm thinking of God as the CEO of the universe who's, who's behind his big desk sending out memos to everybody, why, I don't need to bother him. If I think of God as, as some distant energy force that, that's this faceless, heartless, emotionless thing, why would I ever want to pray to that? But if I think of God as my father, it's different. I have kids. I have two kids, five and 10. I'm a, I'm a decent dad. I, I have things that I need to do better. I love my kids. When I get home or, or when my kids get home, I, I hear kind of the happy chorus of hi, dad, kind of throughout the house. Eve used to run into my office and jump into my chair and, and kind of give me this big hug. She doesn't really do that anymore. She's too old for that. Uh, cry. Um, But the point being is my kids want to be with me. Why do they want to be with me? I asked Eve this morning when nobody else was around. I said, Eve, why? Because she said she loved me. And all thanks, honey. But I asked her, why do you love me? She didn't know. She couldn't say. And I, I didn't really think she would be able to, to say it, honestly. But my kids want to be with me because I love them. And not just because I love them, because I like them most of the time. Let's, this is, let's not be all, all rosy, <laughs> rosy picture here. No, th- there are times where I, I, I'm fine just having them play quietly in the room, and that's okay. Um, but I like spending time with him. We go on walks, we play Legos, we, we play with the park. Oliver and I are starting to play video games together. We do life together. They, they come to me and say, hey dad, can we go do blah, blah, blah. 
They're drawn to me because I'm their father and they know that I have good intentions for them. That's why. And obviously, that's a lot for a five-year-old to put into words. But that's why she's drawn to me. She's drawn to me because I am her father, and she knows that I love her and that I have good intentions for her. Jesus wants us to believe and to know to know, to know that we know that we know that God is our Father and that He loves us and He has good intentions for us. And this is why it matters that we see God as our Father. It's not just one word in the prayer, it is the word in the prayer. The next point for us to, to take away from this section is that God is close. He is as close to you as the air is up against your skin. If you're reading from the NIV, you'll see a footnote after Father where it says, in some manuscripts, our Father in heaven. There are two versions of the Lord's Prayer in the Bible. One that's in Luke, that's the the short version that we looked at today, and one that's in Matthew that's like the director's cut version of the the Lord's Prayer. It has all the, the extra commentary to it. Today we're, we're looking at this section in Luke. And for our purposes today, we're, we're going to use our Father in heaven. And sometimes when we hear in heaven, we start thinking about this cloud city somewhere that's, that's super far away, that's, that's just that far away place that we go to when, when people die, right? And it's, it's not something we think about that's close. But let's t- look for a second at, at what wording is actually being used here. It's actually, first off, it, it's plural. So our, our Father in the heavens, S. And literally the word that is being used if we translate it from the Greek is, is air. The scripture that we, we read, read earlier where, where God spoke out of the the cloud that was around him. It's the same word that was used. God speaks out of the air. Why do you have like surround sound, Tim? Surround sound in like your, your home media place. You, you have surround sound because it puts you in that, that experience, right? It, it makes it real. When you, you have the, the, the event taking place all around you, it, it makes it more real. God is speaking out of the air all around them saying, this is my son, our father in the heavens, not the distant heaven, the heaven that is right next to you, as close as the air that you are breathing, that is around you, that is in you. There is damage that is done when we relegate God out to the far off place. The God that we love, the God that we serve, the God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever wants to be with you. Just like that song that we just sang, hallelujah, I am not alone. The third point, the primary goal of prayer is joyful, grateful, worshipful enjoyment of the Father's company. Hallowed be your name. Now that's a church word. 
Dave, when was the, the last time that you, you said to Wendy, Wendy, that is a, a Hollywood outfit that you have on today? <laughs> no, not, not really a, a common, common saying, right? And hallowed kind of is referring back to another word. It, it, it's holy. And when we think about holy, we think about holy as, as like a moral meaning, a moral word. It's also about the good. Holy meaning beautiful and true. Holy is unique, special. God is all of those things. God is full of love and joy and peace. If we we look back at, at the letter that Paul writes to the Galatians, He's talking about the fruit of the Spirit, right? And the, the first three fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, and peace. And, and he continues on, but when I stop and set aside time in my day to pray, I often begin to sense love. Love for God. Love for other people. Love from God towards me. When I I take time out of my day and I begin to pray, I start to sense joy in the midst of chaos. I start to sense peace. And it's more than just being mindful when I pray. When I pray, I'm tapping into the spirit that is love and joy and peace. The prayer the point of prayer isn't to come and to ask God for stuff, even though that is something that, that we're asked to do. The point of prayer is to come and to do life with God and to tap into that love and joy and peace. There's an author, that, Tim Keller, that writes this. It says, to hallow God's name is to have a heart of grateful joy toward God. And even more, a wondrous sense of his beauty. Consider how different this is from the normal way we use prayer to get things. We may believe in God, but our deepest hopes and happiness reside in things, as in how successful we are or in our social relationships. We therefore pray mainly when our career or finances are in trouble, or when some relationship or social status is in jeopardy. When life is going smoothly and our truest heart treasures seem safe, it does not occur to us to pray. Seldom or never do we spend sustained time adoring and praising God. We know God is there, but we tend to see him as a means through which we get things to make us happy. For most of us, he has not become our happiness. That's quite a statement. And I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that that's true of you. I'm going to ask the question if it is, though. Is there an area of that that speaks to you? Is there there's something there that says, yeah, I need, to, I need to improve there a little bit. Jesus is saying in this prayer that he chooses to set God the Father apart from everything else in his life and to recognize that the Father is the source of everything good in his life. And we're going to see that there's other things that Jesus is going to pray. But first we have to recognize that the Father is the source. And the last point is that prayer makes a difference. Your kingdom come. 
Jesus is saying that one of the main ways that God's kingdom will come, and if we use the the Matthew version, it says on earth as it is in heaven, is through prayer. That means it's not necessarily going to come through hard work. It's not necessarily going to come through good teaching. It's going to come through prayer. Your prayers change reality. Your prayers bring heaven to earth. The question is, do we believe that? We say we do. Do we truly believe this? Or are we stuck in this idea that what's going to happen is going to happen even without my prayers? And before you, oh, well, that's not anything that I believe. Let's, let's think about it. Everything happens for a reason. Lots? That kind of counts, I guess. God is in control. We just chuck that one up. God is in control, so I don't really need to be involved in this process. Jesus seems to believe that when you pray, some things happen. And if you don't pray, those things, go with me here, don't happen. Is that, that was kind of deep. No, <laughs> no it's not deep. This, this isn't a lot to gather here. It's your life was on a trajectory, you prayed, and God put your trajectory to go this way instead. You didn't pray, and you kept going in the same way. Well, it can't be that simple. It is. And if we don't believe this, why are we praying in the first place? If I do not believe that the prayers that I'm offering up to the God of the universe, the God who has created everything, actually do something, then what am I doing? I mean, is this just a total waste of time? Is this a charade? No, there's a reason. So there are four things that we're supposed to understand before we bring our needs and our wants before God, and we're going to recap them. God is our Father, and He has good intentions towards you. God is close by, and He desires to be close to you. The main point is to be in the company of the Father, and prayer makes a difference. Once we have this framework, this understanding, that's, that's when we're ready for the second half. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. The point to note is that there is a time for us to bring our needs before God. There's a time for us to bring our desires, the, the deepest desires of our heart. God doesn't just want us to struggle through life. Thank you, Jesus. He wants us to have life and to have it abundantly. Now, this isn't where we rub the, the side of the genie lamp. This isn't where we start to, this is where we start to pray through the list of, of needs that we have that is no longer a shopping list or the, the wish list that we chuck up to Santa. It's The, the process, because I have now gone through the, the first steps in this prayer, I now recognize who God is in my life. I now recognize that God is the source of blessing in my life. And because of that, 
I can bring my needs to him as yet one more example of my dependence on him. This isn't a liturgy for us to keep on reciting. When I say liturgy, it, it's not, we don't necessarily have to stand up here and every single day say the Lord's Prayer. That, that's not how this works. That's, that's not what Jesus was after. This is a framework. Why do I know that? Because if somebody came up to me every day and started saying the same thing over and over and over and over again, I would tell them to stop. God wants to be in a relationship with me. And this is an example of how I, I get my heart right to have that relationship. Have you noticed that oftentimes when we pray, we pray the opposite direction? We start with, God bless me. Don't let bad stuff happen to me. Don't mess with my job. Here's my, my list of needs, my list of wants. Oh yeah, and, and your kingdom come, and you're great, and all that stuff, if there's time. Now, does this mean that God stops listening when we pray that way? No. Not at all. But does it mean that, that we're going to have a deep, meaningful conversation that is going to, to reveal the heart of God in my life and that's going to allow me to, to grow into the fullness of what God has for me in my life? Probably not as effectively. Over the, the coming weeks, we're going to continue to dive into various practical ways that we can improve our prayer life. But before we do that, we have to recognize that this is foundational. This is where we start. And once we start with this, then we can build on it. Let's pray. Father God, God, it is amazing it is daunting. It is almost unbelievable that the Creator God, the one who was there before time began, desires to be in relationship with me, desires to be in relationship with every person here. And yet it's true. God, we come this morning and we ask that, that you would, again, move in the lives of your people as we prepare to go from this place, God, that you would, would shape, that you would change and transform, the, that your kingdom would come. Just like it is in heaven. And God, as we, we come together as, as part of this time and we, 
are, are going to move into our ministry time where we share the needs that we have, God. Those, those needs aren't the, the first and foremost. Those needs are the, the response to who you are. The needs that we bring this morning, God, are a response to your faithfulness, our response to your goodness, to your kindness, to the love that you have shown. And God, because of who you are, we know that we can come and we can bring those things. God, we thank you. As we go from this place, Lord, help us to be mindful of the time that we take in prayer. The time that we spend in relationship with you, God, help us to stop and listen. Help us to, to not just be focused on the things that, that are going on in our life, but to, to have a focus on who you are and what you have for us, God. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop.